Welcome to the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. This is the only podcast that gives you a raw and unfiltered perspective of what it's really like to be a professional cheerleader. Whether you're currently on a pro team, an alumni, or really curious about what it takes to become a pro cheerleader, the Pro Cheerleading Podcast gives you all the inside scoop and hot topics in the pro cheerleading industry and in-depth interviews of current and former cheerleaders. I'm your host, Makiba. Join me every Wednesday as I reveal the truth behind the palms. Okay, everybody, welcome to season six of the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. It's your girl, Makiba, and I am finally back and at it. It was a little discouraging with COVID-19, obviously, trying to figure out how to keep this podcast going when everything was put on pause, but it's been almost like six weeks since we've had a full season, so I'm back and I am ready to catch you guys up on everything that's been happening in the NFL with virtual auditions. And I had to break this episode into two parts because part one is, you know, like I said, just an update on where we are in our space. But part two is what I've been wanting to do for the longest time, which is just talk to other mothers who have cheered professionally and how they balance it all. So that is going to be in part two of this episode because I didn't want a two hour long episode for you guys to bear through. But I... Can't wait to share that with you guys. I had a panel of six other women, some people that wrote in and shared their stories as well. So I won't even say too much. I'm actually just going to get into that interview in part two. So stay tuned for that. But for now, we are going to get through probably just a whole entire episode of Cheer Chat. So I named this episode, I Hope You Dance, both for women who are considering auditioning that also balance the role of being a mother and their family. Um, but also for people who are just going through the virtual auditions process, it's so much uncertainty and I'm concerned and just that you'll have the ability to dance this season. And so I'm going to be optimistic, but I'm also a realist and I just want to kind of walk you through the information as I see it and just, it's probably all speculation. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I do want to share some things that I would be thinking about if I were in your shoes. So like I said, part two is geared towards all the fabulous mothers that I talked to. Part one is getting into this virtual audition. So let's get into it. So I did the virtual pro cheerleading podcast draft and... (laughs) a couple weeks ago because I think I was missing you guys and I just want to start with that and just saying thank you so much for everybody participating in that you made it so much more fun kind of wasn't as planned as I should have probably planned it Uh, there was a lot of research involved and you guys just kind of hung in there pick by pick and it was fun and you know I can't really do this show without you guys and hearing from listeners and everybody just kind of giving me the truth behind the palms directly because you know I have no other way of knowing especially when there's no bios for the teams and so you know everybody that participated and and wrote me and shared to the people on your team that really meant a lot to you and inspired you and just would be really excellent picks for the team I thought it was amazing and fun and just want to thank you you know my past as a lawyer I'm I'm very uh, aware of confidentiality concerns and issues, especially in our space. And I hear from so many of you kind of off the record and I appreciate hearing from you too. And the door is wide open to anybody that has any concerns or things that they want to share. And it could just be us, you know, DMing back and forth. I'm 
here to listen and chat and so forth and so on. So uh, don't forget about the hotline. Uh, It's 513-480-6714. If you do want to talk, you can leave a message there. Um, I am more than available. And we also have our virtual happy hours. Tried to move it away from weekly, but you know, when you see it pop up, it's been so cool to have people across the country jump in and just meet some people, talk for a bit, sip on something and just chill. So on Wednesday, the day that this launches, we will have another virtual happy hour. And you guys can tell me what you think of all my crazy theories as to what's going to be happening for the season. I look forward to, you know, just talking about it. I mean, there's concerns, they're legitimate. um, And there really isn't anybody kind of having an open forum talking about it. So from our perspective as pro cheerleaders, so I encourage you to join the discussion it's just a safe space and we're just kind of airing open questions so come to happy hour all right now i'm gonna get started you guys know i'm thorough with my research and whatnot so i'm going to just take you through what i've learned as i surveyed all of the nfl teams that have actually started this virtual process so um if you are auditioning already i'm sure you're kind of aware of the format but for those who don't or haven't had their teams that they're hoping to audition for announce their virtual auditions or not, this is the process. So, you know, you're filling out your application and that's kind of the gateway to start the process. Um, You know, you submit your headshot, maybe an introduction video, telling them about yourselves. They may even ask you to submit a one minute freestyle dance video or, you know, a couple eight counts of doing kicks. You know, you never know what they want to see for that first round. But essentially, once you apply, you are provided a link to choreography to learn and whether they include that as part of the first round or semifinals um, just varies by team but basically you're getting a link with choreography the music file and then instructions on how they want you to submit the material and sometimes you might be uploading a video others you might need to provide a link to like a youtube channel or vimeo or to show your material so just be prepared i guess if you still haven't gone through the process yet to kind of have familiarity with all this tech support stuff guys because you don't want to be dealing with all that once the auditions process kicks off for your team so from what i've seen there's just various deadlines of how much time you have from getting the choreography link to actually submitting your video Um, sometimes it can be four hours eight hours you know one to two days it really depends and so i think obviously teams are trying to assess how well and how quickly you pick up choreography the best they can um, virtually So again, I would not want to be having any issues with technical stuff, lighting, whatever, maybe doing the intro video in advance so you don't have to really worry about that. Like um, I'll speak to that a little bit more later, but typically that's just, that's the process. Some teams are like skipping their semifinals altogether. Um, They're holding prelims and then selecting finalists from that round. So obviously you're probably eyeing your team's requirements, pay very special attention to detail and their instructions, the length of the videos, like really kind of make sure you're noting the details. Okay. So anyway, that's the gist of this space. And, you know, it seems like a lot of the teams have kind of followed each other in terms of what their process looks like. Um, But they're reviewing all these submissions and they're selecting people. Some are selecting teams altogether from the virtual process. Others are selecting their finalists and kind of holding out until they can actually meet in person to finish selecting their team. So, you know, taking a step back, you know, some of the teams were just completely 
interrupted from hosting the traditional audition. The Patriots, the Jets, and the Ravens, I believe, were in the middle of their final round when COVID-19 hit. And so I don't even know what's up with those three teams if all the finalists are kind of just hanging around waiting until they can meet in person. I'm sure they're communicating with them, but if you made it to finals and you want to give a little update, feel free to drop me a line. But how frustrating. That was at least probably like almost two months ago to have gone through the process and then just have it all come to like a screeching halt and having to like maintain your fitness and kind of stay ready so you can just, you know, at the drop of a dime, get on a plane to travel because a lot of the teams are really wanting that in-person contact at some point and I'm sure they'll give as much notice as possible but you're kind of in a holding pattern so it's a little unfortunate but hopefully you're continuing to take care of yourself continuing to dance and be prepared for what's next so team by team I'm going to just kind of give a little bit of an update as to where they stand in the process and then we're going to talk about whether we're going to have anything to cheer at in general once the season hits Um, So first up are the Cincinnati Bengals. They held their preliminary round of auditions on this past weekend and selected finalists May 11th. But I didn't catch sometimes on the websites, they take down a lot of the the rest of the auditions process. So I didn't catch what their finals will look like, but they have their finalists. Dallas Cowboys are closing out their application process this week on May 15th. So that's the deadline. So if you've ever wanted to apply... Um, to try out to be a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. This would be like the best opportunity to do it. So you don't have to, you know, be there in person and go through such a extensive process, at least at the front end of it. But anyway, they're sending out their video on May 18th of dance choreography and their kick line. And you have like a week until May 25th to submit it. And then they're announcing finalists on June 1st. And they're going to kind of merge their training camp period and their finals audition in Dallas. And so that's all TBD. Um, I'm sure they're going to try to preserve their TV show. They want if they can get everybody in person, I'm sure they're going to want to try to salvage their marketing machine of a TV show for uh, what is that called? DCC making the team, whatever it's called. I stopped watching because I found it just a little cruel, not cruel, but just like I don't know. I don't watch, but I support all the people who go through that process because it sounds like a challenge. Okay. Anyway, next up is Denver Broncos. They selected 50 finalists from their preliminary round. They were kind of the first ones out the gate with virtual auditions and they just went straight to to finalists and they want to also have a finals week in person. On Instagram, they've had teasers of the bios of their finalists on their finalist Friday posts. Um, They share the hometown and occupations of their finalists. So if you're following, you can kind of see who's in the mix for that squad. Um, There's a few teams that just pretty much, you know, had their first couple rounds and there isn't really much to update. So I should just name them all together. It's the Detroit Lions. They had their preliminary and semifinal rounds in April. So I'm assuming they're kind of going through the finals uh, behind the scenes or, or working out the details of that. New Orleans Saints just selected their finalists uh, last week, and the Philadelphia Eagles close out their round of virtual auditions at the end of April. So they're somewhere in their process, and they probably took down the information if I can find exactly where, but we'll move on from them. I can't wait to talk about this next scene. So the Colts, you guys, they by far had the most extensive virtual auditions process that I had seen. As of right now, they've selected 50 finalists. 
it looks like it might be 49 based on their YouTube channel where they uploaded all the videos of their finalists. So they had them submit an intro video and a video of their solo freestyle and then the video of the dance that they taught them. And I went down a rabbit hole the other night and watched every single freaking video. Of course I did because it's, you know how I am, whatever. But I just, I couldn't help it. So I watched all the videos and I have to tell you how blown away I was at the intro videos that people, how, my thing on dog. I may not be able to gig, to edit out Giggles barking. I have a Yorkie poodle named Giggles and she's going ape shit over something. So I'm just going to plan to talk over her at times because she's just doing the most out there. Um, but anyway, I was blown away by the intro videos that I saw produced. I don't know what I was expecting to see, um, but in light of COVID and understanding that people are you know, quarantine, they may or may not have a job at the moment, you know, limited means, limited space. I was expecting the bare minimum, like somebody with their phone propped up and just trying to do a straight shot of them talking and sharing a little bit about themselves, nothing extra, but, uh, they were doing the most. It was, it was crazy. So anyway, I have to share. I saw so many different things. Okay. So they, kind of like invested in video production. I'm talking about like someone looked like they had a drone or something. They got this like circular rotating view of this girl dancing in front of Lucas Oil Stadium with the voiceover in the background. Like I almost got dizzy, but it was just like, wow, that's some special effects right there. People got really creative. This one woman was singing opera. Another woman was rapping the whole video for her intro. Someone spoke in sign language people created videos where they would like incorporate pictures of them either, you know, in their uniform in college, them in their out in the field in their job. I saw people, you know, using video endorsements from former coaches, junior cheerleaders or elementary students, like just, they went over and beyond. Okay. There were different styles. Like some people had like skits uh, where they were mock interviewing themselves. Someone had a dog that they were doing the interview for. Uh, It was just crazy. If you want some ideas of things that you could possibly do to juice up your video, unless your team tells you just keep it simple, (laughs) go to the YouTube channel. I will provide it in the uh, show notes so that you can easily access it. But it was just really, really like beyond what I thought I would see. I mean, I don't know how much time um, these women had to prepare. They also have a male uh, finalist. TJ was kind of doing the damn thing. I'm kind of claiming him to make the team. But anyway, they really put a lot of time and effort into the videos. And so to the extent you have some time, I mean, more than likely they're going to ask for a 45 minute to uh, 45 minutes, not 45 minutes, 45 seconds to one minute uh, introductory video. But if you want to start looking at, you know, maybe your friends who might do some video editing, maybe these people are using some product, some software out there where they're used to making videos. I don't know. I am not technologically um, savvy, so I would be struggle busting, but maybe it's worth investing some time and figuring out who does, does what in your network. Maybe you know somebody who knows somebody who could help you put together a really cool video. I mean, it helps you stand out, so go for it. Um, it blew me away. So anyway, they have their finalists and now they have some extra steps that they have to go through. And they selected their finalists on April 20th. In 10 days time, they did all of the following. Okay. 
they had to submit the resume and cover letter. They had to resubmit the video from their preliminary audition, applying the critique from the coaching staff. So they saw their video, made notes on things they wanted them to improve on. You had to resubmit the video, applying that critique. Then they taught a whole new round of choreography. They had a dance technique skills video where they, I don't know, asked you to do certain tech skills and you had to display that. Then they had a fitness skills test and it looked like you were supposed to upload the results from your app. So I don't know what that was like, but maybe you had to do a certain number of sit-ups in a minute or who knows, but that was also part of it. Then they had the 30 second solo that they had to do, the one minute introduction video. They had a Zoom business interview and a football test all in the matter of 10 days. So Lord help you if you're also holding on a job. This sounds like a lot that happened in a short period of time. Now they're going to have their finals routine over Zoom. So that means you lose the pre-recorded video submissions. Now you're doing this the ish live um same way you take a you know a Zoom dance class. So I think you're just going to have to be prepared similar to what you would do in an in-person audition where you are performing on the spot, no stopping, no editing, no do-overs, you're doing it in that moment. So that's happening No, that happened the first weekend of May. So now we're just kind of waiting on them to announce the squad. Um, But kudos to everybody who went through that extensive process. That was like a lot, like a lot. Like, do they do this for regular auditions or did they like up the ante because, you know, it's all virtual now. Either way, everybody who makes that team absolutely deserves it because that's a lot to deal with on top of a pandemic. It's not like we're just not stressed out and trying to get by day to day, you know, there's a lot going on. So to do a, a virtual auditions process in the midst of all of this is extremely impressive, at least to me. I mean, I know when I go to work, I'm just like patting myself on the back for just getting through the day because it's really distracting what we're living through right now. And so, you know, trying to imagine having a whole nother commitment during a compressed timeline to try to make a team it could be overwhelming. So hang in there, you guys, everybody who's going through it or just went through it. Like I said, have the virtual happy hour drop in, let us know how you survived. And, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for everybody. So anyway, next we have the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, they just named their 71 semifinalists on May 8th. And they had applicants from like 19 states in another country. So again, people are taking advantage of the virtual auditions process to apply from wherever And then depending on how things go, they'll just plan on trying to be there in person when the team says the word. But for the semifinals, they're going to include, you know, virtual live interviews. Um, And then from there, that's how they're going to be selecting the 34 members of their team. So it doesn't look like they're going to be gathering everybody together, at least from the website. It sounds like they're going to, you know, pick their team from the live interview round. Let's shift gears now to the Las Vegas Raiders. It's starting to roll off my tongue a little bit. It's really hard for me to say Las Vegas instead of Oakland, but you know, you have to think about it. This is going to be a really interesting year on so many fronts, Um, but to become part of that inaugural squad of the Las Vegas Raiderettes um, and being part of that legacy would be so cool. So I'm super excited about this team audition. They had the cutest video on their Instagram of alumni Raiderettes. Um, They were side by side with their glamour shot in uniform uh, dating back for a long while. But they were just kind of sharing the reasons why people should audition to be part of the squad and the sisterhood that they would be joining 
which I thought was a really unique touch to get people to audition for the team. But they held their virtual preliminary round and they're going to announce semifinalists this Friday for a video interview. They already set a date for their final auditions to take place in Vegas on June 6th. And so they'll send out an email with the time and details and location and all of that Friday, May 22nd. So they've locked it in. So maybe they have a good indication that they'll be able to gather and that people will be ready to to travel to Vegas. I mean, obviously they have a disclaimer that things can change, but that was the first time that I saw an actual committed date for an in-person audition or final auditions to take place. Their finals are gonna consist of an interview, small group performances of the preliminary round choreo, and then a one minute solo routine. So it's close to the public, but it looks like they're getting everybody together one way or the other. And I'm not sure where people are going to be able to stay in Las Vegas, because if I remember right, I think hotels are closed. Um, I have family down there, but uh, let me know how you guys are trying to plan that out. You don't really have that much time, May 22nd until June 6th. But I'm curious to know how people are going to kind of manage getting down there. The Dolphins just finished their second round of auditions. They had to learn eight, eight counts of choreography and two, eight counts of kicks um, in a fairly quick turnaround to submit their video. Um, and they want to hold final auditions in boot camp week in person. So that's all kind of TBD. The Minnesota Vikings, they just selected their training camp finalists and they're going to be learning additional choreography and have virtual interviews with the coaches and possibly additional judges. And they also are planning a final auditions process in person over two days. That would include performing the training camp routines, the new choreography, a skills challenge, football and team knowledge tests, and group interviews. So now my team, Seattle Seahawks, they're holding their open and semifinal rounds virtually. And they had a one-minute freestyle that closed last week. And they are going to be selecting semifinalists really in the next couple days. They're going to have the choice of learning either a jazz palm routine or a hip hop routine. And they have to submit the videos back this weekend. So I think they're going to be doing virtual interviews after that. And then a choreographed routine for finals, as well as a solo routine. Um, And they are wanting to schedule the finals in person uh, as well. So that's TBD for now, but they're getting closer to selecting their team. So it's, it's exciting because this will be, you know, the second year of the Seahawks dancers and I'm dying to see who makes it. Two more. Tampa Bay, they just selected 50 finalists on May 8th, and they're going to hold virtual workshops, interviews, and choreo um, actually this week um, in the evenings, and then they're going to select their final team on Saturday. So again, kudos to people who are balancing, you know, a job and doing all of this stuff in the evening time virtually, especially if you're in different time zones and just make it work, you guys. And last but not least, obviously, are the Washington Redskins. Their application process is open and it closes on Friday, May 15th with an interview and freestyle. And then they have quarterfinals and semifinals where you're learning a routine and submitting it kind of the following day. Looks like they're having a finalist round where they're going to attend rehearsals and have interviews. And they are planning to select their final team May 29th. Woo! So those are just the teams that have started the process already. There are everybody else, and there's a few of them that have not made any announcements. They're just kind of waiting. 
Um, they haven't updated their website, you know, they're posting on social media, but they haven't made an announcement about their auditions process. And that's the Cardinals, the Falcons, Panthers, Texans, the Jaguars, the Chargers, the Rams, the 49ers, and the Tennessee Titans. So I'm curious if they're just waiting and hoping to see that they can hold their auditions process per usual, you know, the normal way, or if they're just still kind of in the stages of planning their virtual audition. You know, I mean, depending on the director, maybe it's just a lot to kind of set up this new process and you know, the technology that they're going to need to review and some, all these videos, accept all these submissions. Uh, maybe it's an investment uh, financially for the organization that doesn't really warrant making without a lot of information about what the season will look like. Who knows? Um, but I'll be keeping an eye and giving updates now that the season launched during Cheer Chat if any of these teams make any sudden virtual auditions moves. Are you guys ready to switch gears now? After all that freaking work, after all of that preparation, after all those dance classes, making sure you're eating right, taking care of this, taking care of that. Worst case scenario, you've been sitting in finalist mode since like March and you've just been waiting, waiting, waiting. What the heck is going to happen to the NFL season because of COVID? So here's where, I mean, I don't want to be negative Nancy, and I'm, like I said, not trying to spread conspiracy theories. I'm kind of doing a little mini news reporting of information as I know it. And then just trying to give the spin of how this affects our world as pro cheerleaders, NFL cheerleaders. And, you know, questions that may, I don't have the answers to. I won't try to answer. I'm just going to kind of give my two cents on it. And in reading all these articles and the research that I did, there's obviously a lot of attention placed on the safety of the players who are out there in full contact sport, potentially spreading the coronavirus around. I call it the Rona, so just bear with me if you find that blurts out from time to time. There's also, you know, emphasis on the fans and their safety in going to games and whether they're going to have games with fans or not. But we are also part of the game day experience. And when you think about the other people that are out there on the field, whether it's officials or, you know, the coaching staff, all of the medical trainers and things like that, that are out there on the field, obviously I don't hear people talking about, well, what about the cheerleaders? What are they going to do? So here I am. That's what the podcast is for, to bring to light things that affect and impact us. And, uh, you know, my disclaimer is just that I'm sure that each team and the directors that run the cheerleading squads are, you know, part of an organization with a good communications path and they are part of these planning meetings and it is filtering all the way to the cheerleaders, all of the team-wide decisions that are going to be made here, but that's their, you know, job, I'm sure, to advocate for their for their cheerleading teams. And so I'm not suggesting that they're not doing it. I'm just saying it's not entirely clear that it's included in the conversation, at least with what's publicly available, right? And people writing articles about. So just stuff to think about. So here I go. I analyze stuff. That's what I do. Okay. So here we go. Current state of affairs. I'm sure you guys are aware the NFL, you know, went through their draft. It's kind of like business as usual, you know, and then they released their schedule last week and present this like aggressive, bold kind of timeline of when they're going to have their games. And the only thing that they did, it's not super conservative is just they canceled their international NFL games, but they are kind of moving 
you know, business as usual and releasing the season schedules. And from what I'm sure everybody's hearing, there's going to be like a second wave of the coronavirus that they're trying to predict that might happen in the fall. And so the first thing that came to mind for me is like the regular season is scheduled to begin September 10th, right? That's still summer technically. And if we're anticipating there to be, you know, a new wave of this that we're going to have to deal with, you know, how are we even trying to talk about an NFL season starting on time and on September 10th? I don't know. I mean, that's very, very ambitious and optimistic. It would be amazing if it happened, but I just was trying to figure out how do we just think that things are going to be resolved enough by then. Just for perspective, you know, there are pro teams internationally and other sports that are, you know, they're starting to resume their play or, you know, their competitions, um, but they're doing it without fans as a precaution, trying to kind of wait and see how things go. Um, So like, you know, soccer teams internationally, NASCAR and the PGA Tour holding sporting events without fans. Um, The WWE has been having events without fans for like the past two months. So even for the pro leagues and teams that have decided to pick things up and try to start their season. They've been doing it without fans and the NFL has not made any kind of announcement. Everything's so TBD right now. I get that, but it doesn't sound like they're anticipating starting the season with fans not being at the game. So again, I was just kind of like, Hmm, how do we get to that point? So Dr. Fauci, I hope I'm saying his name correctly. I have kind of tuned out of all of the updates from the White House. I know his name, but whatever. He kind of said that it's feasible that players in the NFL who would test negative could play to an empty stadium. And he was just kind of speculating that if the virus level of the nation is low enough and the risk to the fans is low enough, then he could see, you know, partially filling a stadium so that people could be six feet apart during a football game. And that just sounded like he was just kind of being cautiously optimistic. Like even if you could have a season, it wouldn't be a full stadium full of fans, you know, by September 10th. That was what I took away from how he kind of put it. The social distancing guidelines would still be in effect of trying to have people six feet apart and six feet apart in a stadium. The seating arrangements are going to have to be entirely different. And assuming that the group you came with, you're going to be able to sit next to. But how do you plan that to keep? the fans six feet apart. Anyway, at least that's kind of Dr. Fauci's outlook on the possibility of having an NFL season. NFL execs and Goodell have just been trying to communicate guidelines for each team on how they can reopen their facilities gradually. They call it competitive equity, but they're saying in order for them to open their facilities, everybody has to be able to do so. Otherwise, it won't be fair for the teams that are able to prepare earlier than others. But it's a state by state issue, right? Like the NFL teams are scattered across like two dozen states. That's like 24 states. And they each have to follow their local and state guidelines um, in terms of testing the limits on the number of people that can gather all of those factors have to be played into when they can actually open up their facility for coaches, staff, and players to return. And everybody would all basically have to agree in order for the NFL to really kind of fully launch for people to enter the building and start preparing for the season. So, you know, like in Washington, we have like a four-stage plan of how they're going to reopen the state. And I would imagine that 
you know, the practice facility at VMAC and having events at CenturyLink are like stage four. And, you know, we're not anywhere close to that yet. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how they time that. And if it's a one for all kind of policy, then everybody has to be on the same accord. So this is a lot of coordination to happen and various levels of infection and testing in the different cities and states. So it's a lot of moving targets, you guys. So again, like how do we know that there's going to be a season to cheer at? So in terms of like Roger Goodell's plan of how to reopen your facilities, you know, he said that no more than 50% of employees can be in the building at once. You know, the employees would have to work in shifts so that they can minimize contact and They'd have to have an infection response team and, you know, encouraging them to have telecommuting policies and non-essential travel would be kind of squashed for a while. And then you kind of would start to phase in the return of players to the facilities. And so as part of that guideline, there's a next step of this when they actually have to meet with the NFL Players Association to kind of talk through when the players are willing to return. Once they get all these guidelines in place, it's kind of presenting that and having a conversation back and forth with the Players Association to make sure that they feel like they're protected in order to return to work. So there's all these considerations at play. And again, the NFL cheerleaders are considered employees of their team and they're not front office staff, but there's going to have to be some consideration. Uh, We're not like your typical employee that's sitting at a desk. We also are physically performing in close quarters with one another, and some of the teams practice at the facility. Maybe that has to change where they're practicing at a gym, assuming gyms are open again in their market. So anyway, we'll get to how we're going to be able to prepare for our season. But that's just kind of like an overview of the conversations at a higher level as to how we're going to get to a space where we can even say that we're having NFL games in September. Um, The big issue, obviously, is testing, right? So, you know, there's conversations floating around that, you know, if if you've tested positive or have been in contact with someone who's tested positive, that you'd have to be in isolation for two weeks, right? How does that impact a team if they have, like, a significant amount of the roster that's been exposed to, to the Rona? Like, that can just completely forfeit a game if the whole defensive line has somehow been exposed to someone who tested positive. Um, But we have to think about how that drills down to us. Are we going to also have testing requirements when we get together for practices? Do you guys want to be swabbed and, you know, and either the saliva test or them pricking your finger before practices and games? I mean, it's just a real big question mark of whether they'll use the same precautions for the cheerleaders that they actually use for the players. And, you know, there's also kind of like the PR angle of like, you know, if the whole nation doesn't have enough tests to ensure the safety of the general public, but there's an infinite number of tests that would be available to NFL players to get them through all these games for each team during the season. It's doesn't, it's not really a good look. I mean, are we that starved for sports? I mean, kind of, but, you know, at the end of the day, if there's, any sense of priority around who gets tested, even within a team, I don't know that the pro cheerleaders are going to be, you know, at the top of that list. They're going to be looking at the players getting tested, the coaching staff getting tested, obviously the officials that aren't, you know, employees of the team, they're employees of the league, but where do we really fit in, especially if we're going to be out there on game day? And if they're going to have testing, you know, for practices as well as games, that's another thing that we have to think about too. And 
it just, it kind of made me uneasy thinking about, you know, having testing be that regular part of my life in terms of just doing any physical activity or reporting to work. Like with my job now, would I want to show up at work if I know I'm going to be tested daily every time I show up or I don't know, it's kind of an extreme example, but if this is your job and you're selected, just being kind of eyes wide open as to what this could potentially look like. And again, it's all speculation. We don't know, but pay attention to the dialogue because it's all focused around the players and the coaches and the trainers, but not so much where other employees. And I, you know, I know at games that for the Seahawks, like a lot of their front office employees would actually be present on game day, um, whether they were part of the game day personnel or not. And so I think maybe there'll be a reduction in who's actually on the field, especially if they are having to administer testing to kind of ensure safety. But it's one of those things that also just makes me, you know, worry that we may not be considered an essential employee to justify being out there and going through all these additional measures and policies and procedures, if you will. So something to keep an eye on. And I would only hope that we were at a point as a society where we have testing for everyone and not just, you know, our professional athletes, because that's, that's not a good look, if you ask me. So anyway, there's also talk about sequestering players after they test negative so that they're able to play in games. You know, they could either isolate the players and coaches, even from their families inside kind of closed facilities so that they can all remain healthy, right? Because how else do you ensure that when they tested negative before the game that they actually show up to the game and haven't been exposed to someone um, who tested positive? So, or they could alternatively just kind of leave it to the players and staff to return to their homes and not leave. But are those rules potentially going to apply to cheerleaders? Are we going to be more restricted in terms of like, if you are tested, what you can do to really minimize the exposure? Otherwise, you're going to kind of start the whole process all over again. So, you know, we don't really get paid that much to kind of be (laughs) to be limited in, you know, our ability to come and go and to live our lives. And so ideally, we won't kind of be in a lockdown situation. But if you're really having to minimize your activities so that you can be eligible to perform on game day. It's just something to keep in mind. I can't imagine that they would go through all these steps for the players and have us out on the field as well without doing something similar. So how do we prepare for our season and game day? You know, we've been doing everything virtually. Is this really going to be something where we're continuing to do a lot virtually so that we're minimizing contact with each other? that's an open question on the player side. Like I said, they're going to be having discussions of different scenarios of how they can conduct training camps in mid July so that they can be ready for the season to start in September. And so again, you know, trying to get everybody together for final auditions and having practices to solidify your team and to get them ready for performances on game day. When do you think that we would really be able to realistically speaking have access to the facilities, knowing that, you know, there's going to be kind of this crunch to prepare the players for it. I know we were kicked out of VMAC whenever the guys were getting ready for training camp. And I just think we're going to kind of be on our own, so to speak, to figure out the logistics of having practices and all of that. That's my speculation, right? I mean, what do African know? But it's just what I think there's going to have to happen is like, probably separate from the team and trying to coordinate with the team. I would imagine NFL directors are 
thinking of like where they can practice, how they can accomplish practices, maybe minimizing the amount of time that they're having to get together in person, just doing their best with formations and trying to explain to people where they're at. And it's just a lot that they're going to probably have to figure out how to do virtually because, you know, the time and space in the actual practice facilities is probably going to be very, very limited. And, you know, when we have our practices, obviously we're not six feet apart. We're dancing in close quarters. We're linking up for kick lines, all of these things. And so I just wonder how much we will be exposing each other. And I'm saying it like I'm on a team now. I'm totally not. But just something to think about when it comes to your own health. You know, you're going to be interacting with 30 other people. And again, if this is in the fall and there's another wave of this and, you know, they've relaxed certain restrictions and it kind of starts all over again, you're going to more or less kind of be at risk by being a part of a team and maybe not having as stringent of a, you know, policies in place because we're not the players, right? Um, So it's just something to think about the risk of exposure and the amount of testing that you could be subject to just as you just try to prepare to get ready for the season to begin. And, you know, again, just thinking about game day, what it would be like to cheer with no fans, what it would be like to cheer with a partially filled stadium, you know, and how that impacts your game day experience, you know, like this is people's lifelong dream of becoming an NFL cheerleader. And, you know, I'd hate for anybody to experience it any other way. You know, it's a completely electric environment with your fan base. And I could not imagine Century League Field empty or partially empty. It would just be so strange. And I think it just emphasizes the the role and importance of the dancers, if we are allowed to be on the field, to kind of create an environment and morale where we're actually getting fans engaged. You know, if the fans are spread out six feet apart and it's going to be a lot to try to command the attention and pull everybody in to feel like they're at a normal game. I just think game day experience is really, really going to shift. Um, you know, before games, you're interacting with fans, you're signing autographs, you're performing in the fan zones and things like that. And all of that might change too, because, you know, our fan interaction is taking pictures, it's signing autographs. And with social distancing guidelines, what happens to all of that on game day? I mean, what happens to community service, you know, events that you're out in the community building morale with fans, like how, how do we shift our role as pro cheerleaders, you know, around all of that in light of COVID and just the things that we're going to have to do to to protect ourselves and just the logistics of wearing a mask. I personally have really struggled wearing a mask. Um, Just being out in public, I feel claustrophobic and I'm, I can't imagine exercising. I can't imagine having a full face of makeup and trying to wear a mask. I don't know if they'd would even think of having cheerleaders wear a mask on the sidelines, but just thinking about stuff like that, you know, what are we really going to be out there doing and looking like? (laughs) But again, I think to end on a more positive note, I just think we have to think about our role and don't kind of go into this without being aware of the risks involved and just how you would adjust. Because if you make the team for 2020, It is going to be a complete season of just flexibility, a positive attitude, and, you know, just rolling with the punches. And a lot may just change at any given time. So having the right mindset, I think, going in, being aware of what the open issues are, what questions you maybe should be asking, not being completely annoying with it. But I would be wanting to hear if I were, 
you know, in your shoes, just what the plan is as it pertains to cheerleaders, because there's just a lot of a focus, like I said, on the players and other more essential staff, if you will, uh, coaches and trainers and, and officials, but not so much on our role in it. And so historically, I'll just say it doesn't look as though we get the respect that we deserve of being out there on the field with the players. So that makes me worry a little bit, but I'm going to trust that the directors that are leading these teams are possibly having conversations with each other, definitely within their organization as to how they can protect the NFL cheerleaders for that team um, to make sure that they're not exposed unnecessarily to each other in a way that jeopardizes their health and safety that we get equal take at whatever procedures they're putting in place to protect the players, whether that be testing or whatever it might look like, we deserve that protection as well. So I'm just going to trust that all this is being thought through. There were questions that came to mind for me, and I just wanted to kind of share them with you guys to see what you think, because it's a dream that's worth doing anything and everything for, obviously, but we're in a very uncertain time, and we just want to make sure that you're looking at it eyes wide open and just going in with the right with the right attitude. Buckle up, Buttercup, because it is probably going to be the craziest NFL season ever, um, ever. I mean, we're in uncharted territory. But those are just my thoughts on where things are at right now. It's going to change, I'm sure, week to week. <laughs> And I will, you know, as part of the podcast with Cheer Chat, share any developments that come up so that you guys are kind of just, you know, mindful of it. But I do think you guys deserve to know these answers at some point. Obviously make the team first, (laughs) but I care about your safety. I don't want, you know, NFL cheerleaders kind of left by the wayside with all of this. Um, I'm sure it won't even be intentional, but it could very well happen if, people just get a green light of sorts and are just going full steam ahead without thinking of everybody that could be potentially impacted. So that's my two cents. I encourage you to join me for the virtual happy hour. If you also have questions that I didn't raise, if you have things you want me to research, I'm happy to do it. And again, if people want to kind of give updates on any of those NFL auditions that I mentioned that are kind of waiting in the wind, I'm happy to share that as well. Or you know, even not sure if you just want to vent about kind of what you've been going through. We're all in this together. I'm super excited. I hope you dance. I hope you get a chance to have the best season of your life. Um, Life changing, obviously going through a quarantine and a pandemic, but I'm thinking very, very optimistically for everybody that you get to dance and you get to dance for fans and that you all stay safe and healthy in the process. So with that, that wraps part one of I Hope You Dance, and I will let you join the conversation for part two. I'm just going to give you a little preview. I had two cheerleaders from the Washington Redskins, Lee and London. I have Summer and Emily, who are former Raiderettes cheerleaders, and I also have two dancers from the NBA, Mariah, who danced for the Sacramento Kings, and Amy, who danced for the New Orleans Pelicans. So quite the panel. And we had the most beautiful conversation, you guys. These women are freaking amazing superheroes. And hearing their stories of how they embarked upon motherhood, how they've chased their dream of becoming a cheerleader, and just how they balanced it all, the things that they struggled with, the fears that they had and how they pulled through and 
the lessons that they learned from it all, what they hope their kids learn from them, from doing it, and their advice to other people who are mothers who are considering becoming a pro cheerleader. So with that, I will sign off. I will see you on the other side. Thanks so much for listening to the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. You can follow your favorite podcast on social media at Pro Cheerleading Podcast on Instagram, at Pro Cheer Podcast on Twitter. We're on Facebook, on YouTube, and you can support your favorite podcast on Patreon. Until next time, keep your eyes on the sidelines.